Matt Davis eat for breakfast when you're getting ready to make books happen? Uh, oatmeal. What kind of oatmeal? Uh, it depends. I usually put peanut butter and banana in it, and sometimes blueberry, a little cinnamon, vanilla extract. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So great. Uh, the oatmeal or the peanut butter and the oatmeal is a yeah, move that I do a lot as well. Yeah. And George Weeder, what do you eat for breakfast? Wow. Uh, I sadly don't often eat breakfast, even though I know that it's it the is most the most important meal of the day. <laughs> uh, I'm usually uh, rushing to get to my day job because I had been up all night making books. And so <laughs> breakfast is sadly the first thing to go. Uh, but maybe I'll get a good breakfast burrito on my way. Or if I really have some time, I'll make a nice bowl. George Weeder. You're listening to Paper Cats. You're okay. One more time. <laughs> I thought you were gonna. I say thought we were doing it together. You were gonna say the name of your press. Oh, are we supposed to do that? If you want to. Oh, uh, I run Perfectly Acceptable Press. I run Ishi Press. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Paper, paper Cuts. Cuts. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah! Awesome. That was that was great. Yeah. Matt George, thanks for joining me here on Paper Cuts in the back room of the Chicago Art Book Fair on the last day of the fair after everything has been all wrapped up. Um, and I'm really excited to be talking to both of you uh, for a number of reasons. And one is I think that this really interesting uh, Riso printing community, if you can call it almost like a weird cephalopod, the two of you are two of its like main beating hearts is how I see you. Um, okay. <laughs> like major figures in the resale community. Um, but I wanted to get started talking off about your presses and how you got started, um, why you're doing it, why you're doing this to yourselves, <laughs> before you get into how you've been collaborating. Um, so we didn't decide who's going to be talking first, but we can just keep this pretty casual. Sure. Um, Matt, since this is your hometown. Okay. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Perfectly Accessible and when you got started? Yeah. Um, so I I got into Riso printing before Perfectly Acceptable was started. I, I went to Oberlin College in Ohio, and um, I was a Russian major there. And um, I was not super happy while I was a student there, and um, making comics became something of an outlet for me. Um, and so I started this student group called the Oberlin Comics Collective with my friend uh, James Scott and MJ Robinson. And um, James was like tuned into some of the hip comic stuff going on at the time and was like on Tumblr and all that, looking at Michael DeForge and Mickey Zakelli and everybody. And he had uh, caught wind of Resographs and um, he ended up he was going to the local post office for some reason, I don't remember what, but he saw Ariso in the back corner with just like a pile of shit on top of it, like clearly not in use, and he asked them if we could buy it from them, and they just, uh, I think, gave it to us, um, and we kind of wheeled it across, you know, the small town and put it in our office, and I ended up totally falling in love with it, because like, I wasn't an art student, so... It meant I could like print my stuff, my comics, like whenever I wanted, uh, with all the autonomy that I love as an only child, and it was just like perfect for me. So, 
I graduated and I moved to Chicago and I bought a Risa Graph from a woman in Wisconsin uh, two days after I moved to the city. And um, what year was that? That was 2013, the summer of 2013, like the end of summer. And uh, I was at first just using it to print my own work, but um, it, uh, oh. <laughs> it, but um, it, uh, it, um, I, I had these really bad wrist problems, so it was starting to become a problem for me to draw. Um, and at the same time, the mere fact that I had Ariso in the city of Chicago um, uh, meant that people began contact me, contacting me about printing um, their own work. Uh, so I started doing jobs for other people, sort of as a way to um, meet people and also as a way to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, and things just kind of snowballed from there where at some point it became my um, job and perfectly acceptable became the title just because perfectly acceptable was the way I was describing my like Matt's print shop you know and then it was like okay that's just the title of it now and uh, I began publishing work by cartoonists and illustrators just as a, a way to like fill the void that um, not being able to draw uh, was leaving so that's kind of that's kind of the origin story, and yeah. I've been doing it since. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. And George, how did Issue Press get started? So uh, Issue Press started in 2010, pretty much immediately after I bought my first Rizzo, um, towards maybe in August 2010, and uh, I had been looking for uh, a Rizzo graph for quite a while, and it took a long time for one to pop up on Craigslist in my um, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is a very lovely but much smaller town than Chicago. So yeah. um, it's full of churches, so there's lots of risographs, but it takes a while for them to pop up. Um, so I was looking maybe since around mid-2009. And uh, the way I got into the Riso was actually through another Riso product called the Print Goko. And the way I got into Print Goko was uh, through helping run an all-ages music space. So uh, in 2003, I co-founded with about 17 other um, people in Grand Rapids this place called the Division Avenue Arts Collective, which is a all-ages music venue and gallery. And uh, that's, that's the gist of it. But we would also do kind of unrelated unrela DIY projects, but besides music and art. And uh, we were totally self-funded, self-initiated, uh, and self-promoting, so we uh, had to make you know posters all the time. So my real graphic design uh, training happened on the ground, making posters for this event over the course of ten or, or for this menu over the course of ten years. Oh, wow. And uh, I'm uh, turned. It turned out that I, I, I while I love the if the effect of screen printing, I don't love the labor of it. So I, I started looking for like other ways to produce this, but in a much more lazy fashion. And that's where I found the Print Goko, which prints very small, but there's something about that I really like. And uh, it's basically as soon as I got my first Print Goko, like the next month they announced they weren't going to be producing the pieces anymore. So <laughs> it's like almost immediately obsolete. And uh, I started looking into other ways of uh, like kind of prolonging the life of the Print Goko. And uh Eventually, through a friend of mine who uh, was working at a bookstore in Germany called ProQM, uh, it was sort of a kind of 
Germany's equivalent of printed matter, but maybe a little bit more theory and architecture focused than okay. like specifically than printed matter is. Uh, she started noticing new publications coming in from mostly Switzerland and the Netherlands and, and also in Germany that were all printed with this Riso, and the Risograph. And so she told me about these machines and then I s started like Googling them and uh, I found landfill editions and I found Knust in the Netherlands. Uh, landfill was in the UK. And I found a ton of European presses and I was really, really impressed by the quality of work I was seeing. It was like exactly what I was interested in, but not screen printing and, yeah. and also not Xerox because as much as we were running a punk venue, I uh, never have been a huge fan of Z uh, the Xerox aesthetic. Uh, I mean, we can talk about that more if yeah, we yeah. care, but uh, I, it's just like too shiny <laughs> for me. <laughs> I like things to be matte and it, it feels weird to be like melting plastic all yeah. the time, which is, you know, what toner is. So uh, I uh, kind of fell in love with the process, mostly of what I've seen in Europe, and uh, just was scouring my local market, looking to see if I could find one that I could afford, and it took about a year, eventually did, and I was uh, put at the foot of my bed in my second floor walk-up apartment, and started Ishi Press, and moved it oh. to three more second floor apartments and um, eventually uh, joined a group studio with some friends. All my friends bailed, so it was just my studio. Oh, wow. And then uh, that's kind of, and then I've, I've since moved from that studio into an, another studio of my own, but that's kind of how it's, how it's gone. So kind of a lot of, uh, before Issue Press, I came from a world of, you know, group management, consensus basis, and suddenly Issue Press was this thing where I was doing my own work, and I got kind of lonely. So I started working with friends of mine, doing just like local local friends primarily, um, just doing small publications, weird little print projects, and then the eventually the kind of publishing side took over, and uh, sadly not producing so much of my own work and issue yeah. press is really morphed into a curatorial and also grunt work project so um, i'm helping other artists that i really believe in realize their work that's great that actually leads to another question like you're both were taking on commercial work as well as publishing what's the what's the percentage of each for for you now uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're both kind of in a, a, a point of transition, but yeah, I, I would say primarily and like over the last, uh, you know, three or four years, it's been about 80% commercial work and 20% uh, publishing. Uh, so I publish six to eight books a year and I probably turn over uh, one to 200, uh, um, probably 200 um, contract jobs a year. Oh, wow. Um, but you know the the publishing books are usually a little bit more grand and uh, more of an endeavor to p put out. Um, but you know now now I'm moving. I'm trying to move away from contract printing just as it sort of has lost its luster, um, and uh, trying to move more towards entirely publishing or almost entirely publishing, switching the ratio. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, pretty I, I, identical, but on a, a much smaller scale than that. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt's been working pretty much full-time as, as perfectly acceptable for a number of years now. I have a full-time day job, yeah. and then I do all of my printing uh, at nights and weekends, uh, mostly because my full-time day job doesn't pay quite enough to maintain a studio and publish at the um, level I'd like to publish at. 
And so uh, I usually press those anywhere between two and 12 <laughs> uh, projects a year. Yeah. And this last year has been pretty, for a variety of reasons, but has been pretty low on the publishing side. And that's something that's really been um, annoying at me a little bit. So likewise, I'm hoping in the new year to uh, not maybe completely cut out commercial work because I, I still need to do that type of work to pay for the projects that I'm that I'm publishing and also I still have that rent at the studio to pay for yeah, and yeah. software and so forth. But I'm hoping to drastically reduce it and go further than just flipping the ratio, but like 5% contract, 95 publishing is, is my goal for 2020. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, it's because of the full-time day job and then essentially the full-time night and weekend job, I, I, I in 2020, I'm looking to get more of a, a life balance. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I had to give up working with the venue uh, about three years into it, but then that also, we got kicked out of our space and they are rebuilding, they bought their own building and it's gonna be an incredible community space, but oh, wow. I'm no longer involved with this thing that I founded so many years ago. So yeah. it's like a lot freeing, but also I, I miss having like my own time to volunteer and um, help with the local community that I love so much. Yeah, well, that's something where I feel like so much of what is going on here is building and supporting community. Uh, at least in like events like this or with NARC that, that you two started. But can you tell me a little bit about how the idea of uh, supporting community or if it does factor into your into your work you're doing with your presses? Like how do you see yourself with the people that you're working with? Yeah, I mean that's been a really big component of, of issue press. Um, from the beginning, I, th I think I mentioned that, you know, when I first found out about Riso, I only w was able to find presses in the UK and in yeah. Europe, and I reached out to them, and they were all very helpful, but they were so far away, and we were in such a different time zone, and uh, I I knew there were other people working in uh, in the US, like Xander and Mickey and Providence, way before I was, but I didn't know they existed, because I'm less directly plugged into the comic scene, or much more now, but you know, when I started, comics wasn't a specific focus of mine. I fell in love with them over the course of operating the press, but yeah. um, I, from the beginning, was not so much a part of that scene. So uh, I didn't know of any other Rezo printers in the US. So out of a sort of act, and like I said, I had always worked in collaboration with others for all my projects and so it was kind of bizarre to me to be working on my own for the first time yeah and uh, i started this project called the atlas of modern risography which was to act as sort of like a census for riso printers using the machines for art purposes around the world mostly just so i could find out who was out there yeah and so I set it up as a wiki, and I added all of the initial points. But uh, after a while, people started finding the site themselves itself. It was just like a little section of the issue press site yeah. at the time. And after a while, people just started adding themselves as they saw the census was happening. And uh, that morphed into another project called Stencil.Wiki, which is a, a wiki for uh, Rezo printers and digital duplicators and mimeograph users. Um, that also now holds the atlas. I moved it all over to the stencil. And uh, those uh, projects was really, uh, those projects were really uh, formed to sort of define the community because I didn't know that one existed, A, and, and 
I didn't think it would be possible for us to collaborate if we didn't know that each other, that we all existed, you know? So the idea of the Atlas was to literally map the community just so there would be sort of an awareness of the global reach of the technology. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I would, uh, yeah, I mean, the the Atlas was huge. And when I mentioned earlier that I just had a RISO in Chicago, the way that people found me was through the Atlas, adding myself to it. And uh, it was also the way I met, like, all the RISO printers I met early on. Um, I would just, you know, if I was traveling to New York or whatever, I would just uh, go on the Atlas and go to New York and see who was there. And I would just email all of them and be like, who, who's going to let me hang out with them, you know? Yeah. And, and, yeah, I mean, at that point in my life, I didn't know anybody and I didn't study art. I had no connections to the art world. So, like, the RISO was kind of like my Trojan horse into, <laughs> into the art world. And... Um, I mean, it, it was good for that, and uh, I met a lot of really wonderful people, and so I think sort of all the efforts now are just kind of a way to sort of repay and like further solidify the, the networks that we're, we're forming then, yeah. Even outside the RISO, like you're doing so much with the comics community here through Zines Not Dead, um, and also like RISO is not the only venue for printing comics. Like there's a whole other uh, comics community within this small press community. Yeah. You can also about Zine's Not Dead. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just Zine Not Dead. It's grammatically incorrect. And um, Zine Not Dead is a reading series I host with my friend Brad Roloff, who runs uh, Bread Press here in Chicago. And um, Zine Not Dead was sort of a response to the vacuum that this reading series called Brain Frame left. Uh, Brain Frame was a reading series that was run by a woman named Lyra Hill. Um, it ran for about two years from 2011 to t- or 2012 to 2014, something like that. So it was like uh, midlife when I, when I moved to Chicago and it was this like fantastic comic reading series. Um, the woman who ran it, Lyra, was just like, she, she always made it ornate, always like was encouraging artists to do these like really wild things like, you know, build, costumes and sets and play music and like you know bring in all sorts of things like cook food on stage like you know I, I've seen like live tattooings at Brain Frame like all kinds of crazy stuff and um, she did it every other month and it was just like this wild like uh, really centralizing thing for the Chicago comics community yeah. um, and when she finally like sort of burned out and uh, eventually moved to LA there was just this big uh sort of question mark of like who what <laughs> who's gonna do it and um at, at that point you know I, I wasn't that busy I wasn't doing that much and um I was like just meeting people and I met Brad um and we like immediately hit it off and had this like really good energy and uh we were just like what if what if we did it and we yeah. did and it was great like the first scene not dead um you know, all the old comics people that came out of their uh, studios, you know, crawled out from the dark <laughs> darkness, and uh, it was a really good time. So we've been, we've been doing that for um, three years, three years now. Um, we don't do it every other month, just like we say quarterly, but it's like every three to five months we do one. And um, yeah, it's also a good time for the comics community. Yeah. yeah, it seems like the comics community here in Chicago specifically is like huge. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 why I moved here. It's yeah. huge and it's accessible. Um, my my first 
real time living in Chicago. I was just here for a month in January. Like Oberlin has these January terms where you just do whatever you want and like get the hell out of Ohio where it's like ultra <laughs> miserable. And uh, I, I lived in Chicago for a month and um, I, I basically just kind of like went through the cartoonists I liked who lived here and just sort of was like emailing them and like they were like responding and be like, yeah, come over, like hang out. And um, it was so inspiring to like see a art community that was like that open and accessible. And so, yeah, that's that's basically why I moved here. And it, I think it stays that way. Yeah, even today. Yeah. This movie you said about uh, giving up so much time to the publishing and to the printing and not necessarily being able to focus on like your, your own work. Um, how do you view your collaborative practice? Like, is that an extension of your practice now? Or your your work? Would you consider that like your work, your mm -hmm. things that you're working yeah. on? Do you mean our collaboration or our, our in individual approaches to collaboration? Your individual approaches. Because I guess where I'm, what I'm getting at is like, Matt, you were saying that you weren't really doing your own comics anymore and it was partially because of uh, wrist issues. Mm -hmm. And George, you were saying that the time was also preventing you from mm -hmm. really doing, like you're printing your own work. Yeah. Um, but do you consider like the collaborative work to be your own yeah. work as well? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I said, it definitely morphed into a curatorial project. So I, I uh, get a lot of fulfillment from, um, you know, having these ideas to work with people. And sometimes yeah. it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. The actual way the collaboration happens is is unique to each mm -hmm. artist. The um, my my role in the process is unique to each artist. You know, uh, yeah. some people. Sometimes people approach me and have a fully conceived idea, and and it's I actually have very little to do with it apart from physically making it. And yeah. other times it's it's much more, uh, uh, much more nuanced or much much more, uh, I'm much more involved in the authorship. But uh, it it kind of runs the gamut. There's no no project has been or no working relationship with an artist because I've worked with many artists over and over again yeah um no working relationship is like any of the other ones so it's uh, it's hard to say that like i have a, a way of collaborating it's just it's all different yeah um my own practice because of the uh venue is very much like poster making so yeah. like i think that time in my life is is, is over and i uh have I still have occasional ideas for book projects, but it's mostly just been subsumed by the the larger pro pro uh, project of publishing, and I'm very okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I completely agree with all of that. Yeah, I, I consider it like sort of a curatorial practice and also a design practice. And yeah, it is it is interesting to see how every artist comes at it. You know, some will just like be like, all right, I'm done, and just like dump a, you know, <laughs> folder of JPEGs on me and be like, yeah, make it look like whatever. And, you know, that's that's really fun. You know, it's like, how can I realize this artist's vision? And then other ones are like, yeah, and the uh, binding coil is going to be apple green, and it's going to be 7 by 10, and they have it all, like, figured out, you know? So it's it's cool, and it's it's fun to sort of see what, what people want to do and, like, how we're going to put it together, together. And, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, like the other thing they wanted to talk about is your collaboration together for NARC, the North American Reso Conference, um, and that's in its second year that just wrapped up. Yeah, uh, happening every other year. Yes, the you, biannual event. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, what is NARC? How did it come to be? What are the origins of this? The origins are a little fuzzy to both of us. 
Uh, but so NARC stands for the North American Visegraph Conference. And truly, the, the real inspiration comes from an event that happens in the Netherlands at the Jan van Eyck Academy, also biannually, but on the opposite year, called Magical Rizzo. Uh, Magical Rizzo is something that started in 2014. And uh, I was lucky enough to be in, in attendance at the first one and also the second one. And then Matt also joined me the second time. And I think it was after... Uh, both experiencing Magical Rizzo, we had this idea of um, maybe working together to do something like that in North America. Around that same time, uh, Chicago Art Book Fair was gearing up to start, and yeah. so we saw Chicago Art Book Fair as like the perfect opportunity to do something like this because Jan van Eyck is a, an incredible storied institution in the Netherlands. Absolutely. We're just two guys. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> um, the idea of... Uh, kind of partnering to a certain degree with the Chicago Art Book Fair is that there were these people, um, you know, our fellow, our peers in the printing and publishing community were coming to Chicago just to participate in the fair. But what if we could get people to come again a couple hours early and we could all get together and have this meetup yeah. uh, and do it with, as reflecting the budget that we have, which is non-existent. So, <laughs> so basically, it's uh, built on the kindness of our peers and our hosts and the Ch uh, Chicago Art Book Fair, too, which helped us particularly in the first year that helped us secure a wonderful wonderful venue at the Chicago Design Museum, yeah. uh, helped us with chairs and, and things along the way. Like, really actually yeah, made it possible. Yeah, they got volunteers, Vol so yeah. much stuff. Yeah, yeah so, so much stuff. So without a doubt, the very first one would not have happened without the assistance of the Chicago Art Book Fair. And um, likewise, they've continued to support us, you know, uh, by you know, giving us access to who they've uh, invited to attend, because that gives us like an early list of people we can contact who might be a, a good fit for the for the program. Um, so the unfortunately, Chicago Art Book Fair and Magical Rizzo are the exact same weekend <laughs> every year. So yeah. we've been kind of, um, well, fortunately, unfortunately, what that means is that we have this meeting somewhere in the world the same weekend every year, which is exciting. Yeah. But it uh, also means, like, for me at least, I have to skip Chicago one year to go to Magical Rizzo. So that's a bummer, but I'm, I'm very happy they're both happening. Yeah. There's enough uh, book events for everybody. <laughs> but, yeah, basically the idea is to replicate the magic of Magical Rizzo on a much smaller and uh, much more bootleg scale. Yeah, no, I nothing to add there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, like, I've, I've been really lucky to be able to go to both events now, mm -hmm. to Magical Rizzo and to NARC. And I have to say, after coming out of the first two NARCs, I kind of left supercharged. I like, went to the first NARC before going to my first Magical Rizzo. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of bouncing off all the walls with, with ideas that came out of this event, like hearing everyone talk, hearing Yo Franken talk about uh, the Anvenac Academy and talking a little bit about how he started the, the Rescraft studio there, uh, being able to hear other people on the panel that Pan put together, mm -hmm. um, seeing color code do color separations yeah, cool. that first year. like. Yeah. Um, Learning that I was mispronouncing Riso this entire time. Oh, wow. Because I, mean, <laughs> I was saying Riso yeah, until okay. Caroline Paquita <laughs> like, brought think, up her own story. I think it's fully whatever. The the staff of Riso US says it wrong <laughs> yeah, all the they, time. Yeah, it's whatever. It's exactly like Brad's uh, 
think, which is yeah, uh, yeah, impossible to explain so, yeah. in uh, <laughs> in audio. Right. Yeah. Right. Maybe you can make that your show image. Yeah. 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 I've been That's trying to like, talk to people, or I've tried to explain that back to someone, and it it kind of fails. Yeah. 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 It's a real, <laughs> real insider. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, but it's also to say just thank you for putting that event together because that's that's incredible and I think that that's a great thing that you're doing for this larger community to to have that opportunity for people mm-hmm. to get I together. Mean, it's truly our pleasure. Uh, I'm really thankful that Matt is willing to do it with me. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, Likewise. Yeah. Because I don't think it would probably happen if it was just one of us. Yeah, maybe. yeah, I know. Too much. And yeah. also think, like, Matt lives here in Chicago. I live in Michigan. I'm only about three hours away. Like, I often think of Chicago as, like, little Grand Rapids because everybody from Grand Rapids <laughs> moves to Chicago and I just, like, run into people I know uh-huh. all the time. Yeah. Uh, but it's... Uh, Chicago is really the perfect town to do this because, you know, not only is it geographically not exactly in the center of the state, it's like in the middle uh, where we both we live. Got airport, we got a big airport. Yeah, a big airport. And uh, it's also such a strong comics community, you know, since the 70s or, or oh, yeah. before. It was yeah. a really big, I think, uh, in uh, one of the presentations at NARC, they were talking about the first fanzine, which was published in Chicago, you know, yeah, so like yeah. the first one period was in Chicago, yeah, so, it's like, writing, so yeah. it's like, so it's like, something about doing it in Chicago feels particularly right. It's always, as long as I've understood Rizu in, in America, it's been a strong community for it, and it's um, something that I think uh, the Midwest should be very proud of, so I'm mm-hmm. excited that all these people want to come and People have flown out specifically for NARC yeah, so both weird. years, yeah. which is I was like, yeah, insane. Doing here? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but having that, that big airport yeah. is, is as helpful. Yeah, and for sure, for sure. Yeah. But um, it's I think Chicago is the right city for NARC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And of course, like the Riso community is a like smaller subset within the other uh, a larger arts and comics like mm-hmm. small press community. Yeah. Um, how do you see yourselves within this larger world? Or do you think about it like that much at all? How do I? I don't know. Yeah, I guess I I see it sort of as Venn diagrams of communities. And yeah. um, I mean, one thing that I I love about NARC and I wish I would see in the other circles is that um, it is not only is it just a place where a bunch of Riso nerds can get together and talk about Riso, but it's like all these people are also like publishers and artists, and they can also talk about their uh, publishing and artistic practices in this like very like open conversational way that like you don't you don't get you don't get that at fairs because we're like trying to sell books and then like trying to like drink a bunch of beers and like have you know party and like it's it's cool to see this space where it's like just like here let's talk about our practices and like our philosophies and why we're doing it and um, so that that's like that's like this sort of like intersection that I really like seeing happen. Uh, both at Magical Riso and at NARC. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think, like, again, both times I come to Chicago and to NARC, like, that event is where the real meaty conversations happen. Yeah. Um, the fairs are great to meet people mm-hmm. and to, like, quickly say hello or, like, to catch up. But being able to talk larger about or about larger issues of publishing and the, and the practice is something I've really appreciated with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want to... Uh just have deeper conversations and I a lot of the problem with fairs for me as someone who participates in many fairs is there's a lot of marvelous programming there's so many things today yeah, for example yeah. I wanted to go to but I am a solo I'm a self 
self-publisher. I, like, I run my own table. Yeah. I can't leave uh, for that amount of time. So, like, while most fairs have incredible programming, particularly Chicago, I, as a participant in the fair part, I can't participate in the rest of the community development part. Yeah. Likewise, with, you know, the, the conference and the, and the book that happens alongside New York Art Book Fair, there's... Oh, it's always so There's frustrating so to look at that time. schedule and realize that I can't attend any of it. And so having uh, carving a little bit of time apart from the fair, but alongside the fair, it's been a really useful strategy so that those of us who are actually uh, you know, participants in the, in the production can have this time to talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah, I would also just add, uh, sort of relatedly, um, George and I also run uh, Riso Resography Slack channel, uh, which is basically a chat room uh, with a lot of artists and Riso printers and publishers who just kind of hang out. And I guess the original intention was sort of like a place to mostly talk about Riso, but we also have all these other rooms within the channel uh, to talk about fairs, what fairs are good, uh, who's going to where, um, what's paper, it like, what kind of paper, what kind of paper you yeah. use, other printer stuff, but um, all sorts of conversations ends up happening there. Who's a good vendor? Uh, Etc. What's a cool book, and um, it's just like cool to see those conversations happening outside of fairs in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, fairs are a really great convener, but they are only they only solve like part of the mm -hmm. the whole thing. Yeah, solve isn't the right word, yeah, but they, yeah, provide room. Yeah. yeah, I mean, fairs are like the most critical part, at least as a publisher. Like, yeah, I think yeah. they're. And I'm, um, it's really exciting to see this explosion of fairs. It's also like a little frustrating because you want to do them all, and yeah. it's you know impossible. You might not get into all or whatever. But um, the, there's still like I think the really the best way to bring people together, and I think it's really important to think about how we capitalize on those opportunities where we are all together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's something else you you're both saying about or uh, I don't know how to frame this but I guess I have two questions one uh, what keeps you doing this like what keeps keeps you moving this is not an easy uh, endeavor that you're both taking on either like the the fair itself or NARC but just your own publishing practices and making these things happen by yourselves as independent uh, business owners but then how do you also give yourself a break as we're looking at the end of Chicago, like how are you gonna how are you gonna take care of yourselves? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it's my job. Uh, I mean, NARC is not really, but I, I don't know. I feel like I kind of have to do NARC. I don't know. It's uh, it's um, no, yeah, yeah. Not, uh, um, I, I, I've, I've thought about stopping. I've definitely many times, and I've like considered other jobs and. Uh, Every time I do that, I kind of like really reflect on it, and I'm like, I don't, I don't think I really would want like to have a boss or anything anymore. I don't think I can go back to that kind of thing. I like, I really like working by myself and making my own hours and just doing the kind of things I want to do, you know, within the within the constraints of capitalism. But um, it's just, it's just kind of what I have to do at, <laughs> at this point, and uh, you know, for better or for worse. And I've sort of found my peace with it now, but. Um, yeah, and uh, how do I make time? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I uh, recently have forced myself to take weekends, which has been a very good thing. And then I, I also got a dog, which means I can't oh. spend too much time at the studio because he has to go out and he needs love and care. Uh, and so that's actually been really good for um, sort of moderating my uh, 
tendency to just work constantly, you know? Damn. Yeah. I don't have a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to answer that question, yeah. really. I, um, I, it's like almost a little mindless, to be honest. <laughs> it's just like, oh, this seems like the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, and maybe, and maybe that, like, uh, belies, like, an underlying passion or whatever, but uh, I, I think that... Um, I, I am indeed really uh, passionate about publishing, and I'm also really excited about the sort of, not the signs of Rezo so much, but I, like, uh, I, I'm really fascinated by the way colors work together and interact, and yeah. the thing that really uh, keeps me going with Rezo is it's a very specific and accessible approach for playing with color in a particular way, and uh the publishing practice really allows an excuse for me to keep working and doing kind of my own research as well as yeah. helping um, friends and people I, I people who I don't really know but I whose work I really admire uh, it helps like keep that stuff coming out if possible so uh, yeah I don't know I don't think I don't really have a lot of time to sit back and reflect on anything, yeah. <laughs> which actually makes me a, probably a much poorer publisher than I could be, or at least a, a poorer human than I could be. But uh, I just like have a, 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 I feel a, a need to keep moving and trying to keep making uh, things about our community easier. So that's like for the sort of more socially engaged components of it that's like a, a real focus yeah 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 no and you both are doing a tremendous job with with that like with the with the slack and with uh the website i mean and slack is just, just a chat like, room but the yeah but i mean <laughs> I feel like you both extend yourself personally yeah like sure. yeah it was not it was like last month where i was like how do i change this thing and i was texting george with you throughout the entire time of trying to change the thermal head. And Matt, you were very generous about emailing with me and oh, yeah. like, trying to offer some some help. So I think it goes well beyond like setting up uh, public forums. Like You two extend yourselves personally, and that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. this stuff is tricky. And when you've been around it for enough time, um, you start to you know get an affinity for how they work. I definitely yeah. don't know how most machines work, but there's a handful of models that I've definitely gone through the ringer with and uh if anything i've any pain i've experienced can help <laughs> someone else <laughs> not go through it I'm, I'm all all for that and uh i have lots of questions because you know i'm new i mean i've been doing it for like 10 years but i still feel very new to publishing so there's like yeah. a lot of things that i uh feel like i can learn about the sort of business and sort of like technical side of, of, of that that I'm hoping to learn from others. Yeah. So if I can exchange that for help with the production technical side, that's great. And yeah. and I don't mean like a direct exchange. I just mean like karma or whatever, you know, <laughs> putting something out in the world and you know I'm getting it back. So it's all worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, yeah, I think the the culture of Riso is really just helping out each other, especially because when Riso was sort of in its when Riso as art was sort of in its uh, early stages, um, we didn't really even know there were, or I didn't at least know there were technicians who could help you fix your Riso. So it was all mutual aid, and uh, that's just sort of how I was raised. And so um, yeah. that's the kind of what I keep putting back in. And uh, 
Yeah, I mean, so often you'll you'll find a new a new printer will email you with some question about their press, and you'll help them out, and then a few years will go by, and you'll see them at a fair, and they'll have this like fantastic you know display, and they'll they'll be able to help you out with something, and uh, it just just kind of keeps going around in a circle, I think. Yeah. Um, well, before we wrap this up, uh, what's going on in twenty twenty? What are you looking forward to next year that you're going to be working on? Uh, I don't know. Or is I mean, it? Should we? not stress each other out by talking about that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's not, I, I, I don't have any secrets, but I, I, I have some like rough ideas, you know, some yeah, artists yeah. I've already been in contact with about new projects. And uh, I also, I had like a pretty catastrophic flood in my studio this year, yeah. which means I, I've lost a lot of existing publications. So 2020 is going to be a, kind of a, a bigger rebuilding year for the catalog. So reprinting some of the things that were, uh, are that washed away and yeah. um and then also alongside of that some new projects with some of the same artists and uh really i have a personal kind of uh series of color uh related things that i'm looking forward to doing um that are just like george projects and i'm yeah. hoping that 2020 is the the year that they'll come out because some of them i've been working on for like five years oh, wow. <laughs> i haven't actually I, uh <laughs> done anything with yet so like the the real thing i'm looking forward to in 2020 is that like total flip-flop of of uh print load yeah. to more issue press projects more george projects Good. who knows if it'll happen but that's my like goal you know a month away from now yeah it's not going to be like flipping a switch but totally. um yeah that was real rambly response but no, uh, i'm very intrigued as to what this george color book is we can talk later yeah. Okay. <laughs> in in uh, in like fifteen months when I don't have it, I'll I'll tell you. That's like <laughs> that's um. And yeah, I I don't know. I guess I'm I'm gonna continue putting out reso books and like more more of them than I ever have as I sort of move away from contract printing. And I'm also moving into uh, doing some offset editions, like larger runs. Um, and right now, the only two that are on the docket are basically uh, reprints of Riso books that sold really well. So we're doing the uh, collected uh, uh, Grip, which was a book by Lale Westman. Um, so it was in two volumes that were both Riso printed, and I would absolutely never put my through myself through Riso printing those again. It just took so <laughs> long. And then it's a comic book, so you can't like sell it for what it's worth, you know? Um, so we're, we're offset printing that, and then we're off also doing this um, collection of movie posters from Ghana uh, through the um, Deadly Prey Gallery. Uh, so those are two things that I'm, like, kind of learning how to do and how to navigate the world of, like, having someone else print your work. And, like, that's yeah. been very hard, like, letting go of some things. Like, I'm like, what do you mean we can't get brown paper? I want brown paper. And they're like, you know, we don't have brown paper. <laughs> so so just, like, kind of learning how to, like, adapt to that that sort of stuff. And um, uh, it's, it's been cool, um, you know. So, so more, more, more bigger projects. And, yeah, hopefully, hopefully sometime for my own work. Who knows what, what that would be. But, you know, <laughs> might happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to both of your 2020s. Yeah, I mean, I'm also excited to see, like, I, the one thing that I'm, like, really strong about is, like, Rizzo, uh, for the sake of Rizzo, is kind of 
down. So yeah, like, sure. what, 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 to me, Rezo is like ultimately a tool to do the type of publishing that Matt and I and many, many others are doing on our own terms, like ourselves, yeah. but it isn't the most appropriate tool for many things. And particularly when you're talking about the type of scale that Matt is looking to get into. Yeah. And uh, I, so it's, it's exciting to me to see someone move, uh, I don't want to say beyond Rezo, but uh to incorporate other ways of working that maybe make more sense for the project. Because yeah. ultimately, Rezo, it's just a tool. And we have this conference, and we have this community because so many people are using it, and it's important to know how to keep our tools sharp or, or whatever. Yeah. But it's uh, not because of like a specific obsession with the with the form. It's, it's, it's more about how do we keep our... How do we, how do we keep... Rezo working as a tool the way we need it to work. Yeah, and also finding the best tool for the for the job you want to be working on. Yes, yeah, which is what's actually appropriate for the work that you're trying to put out into the world. Definitely not always Rezo. Yeah, but often is. Yeah, yeah. It's still it's a very versatile. It, it, it is. It's an incredible tool, but it is a tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would just say it's it's funny because I I came into it with no print experience at all, and I taught myself all this. Uh, design for print through Riso, which was just a bastardized offset workflow. And now as I go back to offset, I have these tools, but they were, you know, they were reappropriated for Riso, yeah. but they are in fact just the offset yeah. workflow, which is like really funny, but it's like, wow, I just learned all of that stuff just kind of through the back door, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, the funny thing, and I think one of the funny things about the name Magical Rizzo is that truly, as the the great Taiwanese publishers, O.O.O. recently point out, there's no magic in Rizzo. Yeah. It's just, it's all just like regular pre-press. There's yeah. nothing inherently special about Rizzo versus another type of printing. It's, it's all the same. It's just what you apply it to. Yeah. Well, thanks, George. Thank you so much for taking this time out, uh, especially at the end of the fair. Um, I know you're both probably a little exhausted. Um, but thanks for taking this time, and thanks for putting together our wonderful week. Thank you for uh, you participating in the first one on the, the panel that you mentioned, and, and for coming a day early to, to not be there in attendance. Uh, I will be back in a few minutes. Cool, thanks for having us. Yeah.